Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number one bow, super bow, guy. Bow, bow. No Budget Nightmares, the next generation. <laughs> yeah, season two. Season two, that's right. We finally <laughs> finished season one. <laughs> Only took us like six years, 100 six episodes. Years. But this is it, Mo. We're starting on a whole new, you know, it, I, frankly, we should probably, one of us should have been replaced for probably, sure. Probably. <laughs> uh, and uh, and we, we, I thought, I had kind of grand designs that maybe we should have changed a few things around, Mo, moving into our next hundred episodes. But I'll tell you what, we didn't. <laughs> we did absolutely nothing. And I it, love it. And I love, look, this is the show that people know and tolerate. And uh, we did get some very, very nice feedback from our special super secret jumbo sized 100 uh, 100th episode and uh, again thank you so much to those who uh, reached out and said nice things afterwards it was a lot of work uh, mo and i uh, put our nose yeah. to the grindstone and and kind of got it out into the world but uh, but now we're past it we're sort of like a hurdle it felt like we were always approaching it mo and now we're moving ever further away right <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. New sh- new show, new me. Uh, yeah, that was great. Here we go. There you go. Yeah. Mo is Mo is entering uh, episode 101 with uh, a new uh, level of enthusiasm for both the show <laughs> and life as a whole. Isn't that right, Mo? Oh yeah. Mo. Yeah. What have you been up to since the last episode of No Budget Nightmares? Um. Well. I'll keep my answer short since yours is so much more interesting. Um, I have been doing almost nothing. I worked. I watched some movies. I played a lot of fucking video games. Uh, that's about it. I've done next to nothing. That's not nothing, Mo. Some yeah. of it is relaxation. Some of it is just keeping your head above water. I think all of us, you know, it's it's something that, that we all have to do in order to survive, Mo. And surviving, right. hey, in 2017, surviving is a full-time job. Ugh, ain't that the fucking truth? Ain't that the fucking truth? And Mo, I'm not going to go on and on about what I've been up to <laughs> over the last few weeks. I, I didn't say you were going to go on and on. I just said your answer is way more interesting than mine. <laughs> Generally, my answer isn't more interesting. It, mm. it, it's exactly what you said. Working, playing video games, watching movies. It just happened to be interrupted by a brief, like extremely shockingly brief trip to Chicago to uh, spend some time with Eric Roberts. And briefly... Larry Cohen, the director of Q the Winged Serpent. Yeah, that was an interesting surprise. I didn't realize that was going to happen. Hey, I didn't realize it was going to happen until yeah. literally seven minutes before it happened. Yeah. Uh, I was sitting there at lunch with Eric Roberts trying to keep my head together. And then the guy next to me who was running the festival, he was like, hey, uh, Larry's going to come join us in just a couple of minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, who? 
<laughs> that guy who directed a lot of my favorite movies? Well, no problem. Why doesn't he just park his ass next to me? <laughs> it was really strange. It was fucking surreal. Guy, that said, Larry Cohen is super old, and he is not very good at eating a hamburger. We were there for like 40 minutes. <laughs> what a random fucking thing. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, I mean, my wife was there too. And of course, she has no affinity for either Eric Roberts or Larry Cohen. Right. And all she could go over and over afterwards was how he sat there with his burger and spent like 20 minutes just eating the bun like a piece of toast. It was very weird. Wow. But that's the kind of thing. That's the, that's the uh, fascinating anecdotes that you can find only on the No Budget Nightmares podcast as we move into a new generation. <laughs> Those are the Jill anecdotes we've come to love. Uh, you can find more of that over on another podcast, which we'll get to at the end of the show. <laughs> Mo, we have a very special feature film to talk about here today. Really? Yeah, I think so. It's okay. actually been long requested. and uh, it's, it, uh, Has I, it? <laughs> it has. People have mentioned Man, this to me several I, times. I really don't pay attention when our audience talks, do I? <laughs> Because I don't, I've never heard the, I've never even heard the name of this movie until you said we should watch this. I pay enough attention for the both of us, Mo. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was reading, I was reading through the Bleeding Skull book a few weeks back, and this one jumped out at me as a potentially good subject for No Budget Nightmares. And as we do, because look, just pulling back the curtains, uh, and this should come as no surprise to longtime listeners, we're not the most organized people in the world. Nope. So. When it comes to like choosing the next uh, movie, usually it's just well, let's face it, it's me messaging you saying, "Mo, how about this one?" And you're like, "All right, all right." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every now and again, every now and again, I'll I'll be like, "Hey, we should cover this one," and and then I'll go, I'll make a note of it, and then we forget about it for six yeah, months. <laughs> yeah. Well, wh- that's one. Uh, that's one reaction. The other one is it's the next movie we do. It's the literally like, and that, and that's with anything. That's not just with me. That's just not just with you. That's everything. Somebody gives us a suggestion. It either is the next movie we do, or it goes on a list and is completely forgotten. There's yes, no the- in between. Except Mo, because again, the next generation. Immediately before we started recording, we talked about what the movie next we were going to do, and it yeah. came from a list. Of recommendations from No Budget Nightmares listeners. Right. We went so, back. We're, we're actually, like, it's like a, a New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> do, do, you, do you want to take a guess at how many times we've done that in the hundred episodes that we've done so far? Because I would guess it's less than ten. I would say it might be less than five. But you know what? Yeah. It's never too late to turn over a new leaf. Mo, we're watching on yes. this episode Soul of the Demon from the year 1991. A very good year. Sure. The year punk broke. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for Green Day. (laughs) Mo, Mo, this movie was directed and written by Charles Lang. Okay. Well, I I know that doesn't seem very interesting to you, Mo. You might be expecting me to follow that up with some fascinating little tidbit about the career of Charles Lang. But the strangest thing about him is that if you go to his Internet Movie Database profile... Soul of the Demon is his sole directorial, writer, producer, and camera slash electrical department credit. He has no other credits except for Soul of the Demon. Hmm. All right, that is a little weird. The tagline for Soul of the Demon, Mo, the essence of evil. Bum, bum, bum. Now, Mo, I think both of us had a similar response to this movie. As I said before, we've had some listeners who are big fans of this movie, but I think it's safe to say that this is 
a movie that is weighted heavily in its second half in terms of entertainment value. Right, exactly. There's some interesting dialogue in the in the first like 10, 15 minutes, but then it became pretty abundantly clear that the per- that the whoever wrote this uh, had had nothing else to say and it's just like, well, "All right, well, we're just going to like push forward until we get to the kills." It also felt like particularly in the first half that they were trying to emulate popular movies of that time period, right? Sure, Very sure. much, you know, uh, kids unleash uh, some sort of demon and they are having a party and then the demon starts picking them off one by one. I mean, it's very by the numbers and by the book. And then when it gets good, it's mostly because of some pretty extreme gore effects, which again, the first 45 minutes of this 75 minute movie have none, Nothing. like absolutely zero special effects. Very strange, very strangely paced movie. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, Mo didn't enjoy Soul of the Demon very much, and I don't mean to spoil that right off the bat, <laughs> but I do know that some of our listeners are, are big, big fans, so I think they might be a little bit disappointed, Mo, to find out that you just didn't enjoy yourself like they probably hoped that Yeah, you well, that's the problem when you have a 75-minute movie that 50 of those minutes are, like, literally nothing happens. What about the hairstyles, Mo? Oh, well, that's fantastic. I mean, that's probably the best part of the movie. You've got some real, real interesting... Uh, late 80s, early 90s thrash metal band hairstyles <laughs> with some of the most, you know, on some of the char- on some characters with some of the most generic white metalhead names I've ever heard. You Mo, know, when you think of the year 1991, what's the first I, thing you think of? I think that I was 11. You were 11? Well, what else do you think of? I don't know. I honestly don't. Vanilla Ice... Yeah, right? Music was yeah. bad in 1991. M- music was shit in 1991. Except for the rap. There was some really fun, like, party rap going on at the time. Like what, Mo? Um, You know, like Rex and Effects and, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Quad City DJs and, like, stuff that where you could really dance to. Like, that. There, right. was a lot of, there was a lot of that sort of thing going on back then. And it wasn't good, but it was super fun. Right. And I'm always 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 and this show is a great example of it will it, willing to forgive bad if it's fun well, that's, i mean i'm hoping most of our listeners are similarly forgiving that's for sure yeah <laughs> that's why we try to keep the show fun for you guys you know what i think of when i think of 1991 mo what do you think of chip and pepper chip and pepper chip and pepper were clothing designers and they were kind of like two surfer dudes Oh. And they made those those shirts that if you uh, put your hand up against them, they would change color from the oh, heat of your hand. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what was that shit called? It had, were, it had a name. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm going to go with color-changing shirt due to the heat of hands. That's good. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. they actually later on, I think, be, uh, gained quite a lot of uh, fame and fortune for designing jeans, uh, a la Tommy Wiseau, I guess. But no, they actually did that. But in 1991... They were popular enough, Mo, to have their own cartoon show. Huh. It was called Hypercolor, by the way. All right. I had to look Whatever it up. Whatever you say, sir. I had to look it up. I had to. I remember NBC on Saturday mornings, they would have a cartoon block, and one of them would be Chip and Pepper. And like there would be live action segments where Chip and Pepper would introduce the cartoons. I don't remember that at all. Mo, I feel like uh, uh, we've had uh, different experiences in the year 1991. Well, you know, I, maybe off mic, I'll tell you about my 1991 someday. Uh, it wasn't, it well, that wasn't a great time period for me. Okay, well, we're, we're going to move on from that. And I hope that you weren't re- uh, reminded of some negative things. No, 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 no. I just don't remember much of what was happening. 
Oh, I hear what you're saying. You were blazing your dead homie. I was. I was blazing my dead homie. Yeah, I was uh, tooting a lot of coke at the time and snorting heroin. I don't know. Is that what you do with these things? I have no idea. Snort? You can... These days, look, in in this economy... (laughs) 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 Anyway, Soul of the Demon. I don't know why that was so funny. All right. (laughs) Soul of the Demon from 1991 uh, on No Budget Nightmares, The Next Generation. Mo, the movie starts in stark black and white. Yes, Very it artistic. It starts with uh, uh, basically um, uh, ambulances and police officers. They're sort of mopping up a crime scene. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Lots of bodies. Uh, I think there's at some point we see like a butcher knife still embedded into a corpse. Mm, and at one point we see a saw. And in fact, I hope you keep a close eye on these weapons because they actually will be used later in the movie. <laughs> yeah, about 50 minutes later. <laughs> Just a few minutes before the very end. Right. Um, th- this, uh, these scenes of the ambulance and the police officers, it's be basically being intercut with the closing, sorry, closing. What's wrong with my brain? The opening credits mm. of Soul of the Demon. And at one point, it says Soul of the Demon on the screen. Then it cuts back to a police officer, and we get the first uh, dialogue of the movie where he says, I've got bodies all over the place out here. I haven't seen something like this in 20 years. I need help here now. Mm. Oh, is that the line that he says over like the radio chatter and you can't hear half of what he's fucking saying? Well, there is a lot of radio chatter that sounds very legitimate and very difficult to make out. But no, yeah. this, this is him just talking into his radio. It's, it's just kind of just him standing there. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Written and produced by Charles T. Lang. Uh, we do, by the way, we do see a little bit of, of gore in this opening segment. We see sort of an eyeball hanging out of a socket. Yeah, that wobbly eye was pretty cool. Wobbly eye, Mo. That's very good. And we do see a coroner closing the door of a vehicle. And that leads directly into what I thought was the spookiest part of the entire movie, Mo. It's a, an image of a demon. And it has glowing red eyes. It was That was a cool shot. I mean, honestly, yeah. like, you know, it builds up your expectations a little too high <laughs> for the rest of the movie but that was a good shot i will say mo that uh this movie has slightly higher production values than a lot of the shot on video movies that we watch on no and Budget yet st- and yet still suffers from a lot of the same lighting issues it's a lot of the same lighting issues certainly yeah. a lot of the same acting issues that we run yeah. into again and again but we're very forgiving but of- it does yeah but you're not but you're not wrong though it does have it has a decent uh you know, production budget at the very least. I don't know what the budget was, but I mean, whatever whatever they had, they used it to full effect with with some of these gore effects. They they either had access to a crane or a cherry picker because they used that mm. shot of the camera slowly lowering down in basically every scene. <laughs> hey, look! If you got it, flaunt it. Yeah, Mo. This movie would have made a good Halloween episode of No Budget Nightmares. We missed it though. Yeah, but we had a pretty decent. No, we didn't do Halloween episode at all. No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> were you going to say what one were you mistaking for this year's Halloween episode, Mo? I I don't I have no idea where the hell was my brain. I totally I'm just thinking to myself like when was the last time we had an episode? Oh right, it was the hundredth episode at the beginning of October. <laughs> two fucking months since we've done a show. <laughs> Mo, this leads into two teenagers, uh, two of our lead characters, until they go away for the rest of the movie. Uh, <laughs> And they're driving around a quarry on their BMX bikes. Mo, did, did it make you feel very nostalgic for your childhood? Nope. 
Did you spend a lot of time on BMX bikes? Nope. Well, I uh, <laughs> I know what these uh, children's names are. However, I didn't at the time I was writing these notes, so I wrote down Cool Kid and Fat Kid. Yeah, I called him Chubby. Chubby's uh, much nicer than what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I had I didn't I I didn't know what I called the other one. I think it's just I called him Chubby and Chubby's friend. Chubby and Chubby's friend, but Chubby is actually named Toby, Toby. which is a great Chubby name, by the way. <laughs> it is. Well, they call him Tubby Toby in the in the movie, which is very mean, and very I would mean. not recommend if you know someone named Toby to do that. Yeah. Um, and the other kid is Joey, and he's more of our lead. And in fact, you might think at one point while watching this movie, why is Toby even a character? <laughs> right, he's in like two scenes in the entire fucking movie, <laughs> and he vanishes it completely. So these two, um, well, what would you estimate their ages are, Mo? Because I will say that that's one of the issues I have with this movie. People didn't really act their ages. Um, with those two, I would guess they, at, at the oldest, 13. I would say, yeah, just right around that, uh, either right before teenage year, like 12, 13, right around there. Mm. Um, n- not not a, not a child, but not quite yet a man. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Very poignant. <laughs> <laughs> so they're skipping school uh, Not a very uh, respectable thing to be doing uh, Both Toby and Joey Are riding around this quarry Skipping school Toby seems a little anxious about the whole skipping school thing I guess Joey's a bit more of a troublemaker And he convinced him to uh, to uh, leave class And, and do what kids do uh, Go to the quarry and, uh, and dig in dirt I guess These fucking kids Messing with my dirt <laughs> That's right. That's right. That guy. Boy, I just remembered that guy. (laughs) Well, uh, they do have a conversation about uh, Toby's anxiety, and it sounds like this. You're worried about getting caught. Well, yeah, aren't you? I know if I get caught, my ass will be busted. I could kiss Halloween. Goodbye. His ass will be busted, Mo. Mm. He can kiss Halloween goodbye. That's very good at setting up the, uh, the, the timing of this. Uh, film which takes place right around Halloween and in fact Joey is presented as sort of a fan of monster movies a fan of I guess kind of horror in general something I can relate to sure <laughs> sure so sure. what do these guys do they ride their bikes together they they race a little bit uh, you know have a good time and then you know they lock eyes and they lean close and <laughs> take in each other's scent Stop and, sexualizing children, Doug. Oh, sorry. Look, they're sexualizing <laughs> each other. They're, this um, is a life-changing moment. Actually, they're just <laughs> they're sitting by the water and, uh, you know, kind of romanced by the moving of the waves and, right, let's right. say, the moonlight pouring down. And uh, then it's hand jobs galore. They so they're at Hunter's Pond. Hunter's Pond. I'm just I'm I'm just moving past that. <laughs> Blast past it. Just taking it. All right, Harvey. Let's move on and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, they're at Hunter's Pond. They talked a little bit about why it's called Hunter's Pond and why is it uh, called Hunter's Pond? Because that is where they killed all the witches. They hunted witches. They hunted the witches. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, one thing of note to really place this in the year 1991 is that Toby is wearing a Jose Canseco shirt. <laughs> I didn't even fucking notice that. <laughs> we also discovered that Joey's parents have uh, left town for the weekend. Uh, well, that's how he knew he wasn't going to get in trouble. Yeah, and in fact, Toby says, "I knew something was up. You're not that brave, butt face." <laughs> uh... So they 
They lay by Hunter's Pond, and uh, I guess uh, Joey has a a small uh, boombox, and he puts in a, a oh, actually he doesn't put in a tape. They listen to the radio. I mean, these guys they're really living it up, laying down on the ground, listening to the radio, right? Skipping school, <laughs> truant. So Joey starts uh, telling uh, Toby about, you know, the history of the pond and, as you mentioned before, like the witch hunting and things like that. And uh, that leads to this uh, uh, lovely uh, back and forth. There were so many witches burned at the stake around this pond. Put it this way. If you had marshmallows back then, you'd have been a big hit. That's sick. So that gives you an idea of the level of interplay and acting that we're getting in the movie Soul of the Demon, Mo. Mo, what did you think of the acting in this movie? Uh, most of it's pretty fucking terrible. I actually mm. don't, I didn't mind Joey's acting for the most part. I mean, honestly, I think he's, I don't want to say head and shoulders, but I mean, he's, he's a good half a head higher <laughs> acting wise than the rest of them. Honestly, most he's, of the, better, he's better than any of the, the older kids we get introduced yeah, to later. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Joey played by Sky Daniel. I guess they were very impressed with him because there's a couple of credits that say introducing Sky Daniel as if he was going to be a big star, but uh, he's never acted in anything uh, else ever. <laughs> he could have been the he could have been the next David Faustino. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he does have a very Bud Bundy vibe to him. <laughs> um, you know, he's like Bud Bundy mixed with Bart Simpson. It's it's very 1991. But Look, um, he's an underachiever and proud of it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> much so much at, like most other kids that age from that era. So if, if things weren't exciting enough, what with the lying in the dirt and uh, and listening to the radio, they kick it up a notch by then digging into the dirt that they're lying on. And Joey finds something. Well, what does he find in the dirt? It's like a mini coffin. <laughs> you know what? I wish I could describe it better better than you just did. But yes, it's a mini coffin. Yeah. And what's inside this mini coffin? Well, they open it up, which cracks the wax seal on it. There's very, a wax seal. Very important that we see that wax seal break. Um, and there's like a demon statue in it. In fact, it's the statue that we see um, from the beginning with the glowing eyes. Right. It, that's right. It, the, the glowing eye, scary demon statue from the very beginning. Mm. And... Joey seems uh, fairly nonplussed with it. I mean, interested, but mostly uh, when Toby says, what are you going to do with it? He's just like, I'm going to take it home. I'm pretty much that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's pretty funny that that he, that's his reaction, especially, uh, you know, we so we get this ghost, basically. Like, Joey sees this ghost from across the lake, okay? Yes. And uh, actually, my notes my notes say Joey sees a ghost, a spooky uh, ghost. Right. Uh, so yeah, they open it up, demon statue inside, and then the ghost kind of shows up right there. And let's hear. Let's see. Honestly, I think the guy who plays the the ghost, the ghostly exorcist, I feel like he might be the worst actor in the entire movie. Let's probably. hear. Let's hear his delivery. What do you think it came from? I don't know, but it's mine now. Put it back. The old guy you saw? Told you I saw somebody. Why should we put it back? It is the essence of evil. You must not keep it. Yeah. So Some, somebody needs it. to come and gather up their grandpa. <laughs> uh, now, he's not only just a weird old ghost man, he's wearing makeup and looks almost like, you know, a demon, I guess yeah, you might say. Yeah. 
Something a little off about him. I thought so right away, Mo. Certainly won't come into play a little later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I love how they have this whole conversation with this ghost grandpa. And, uh, you know, they're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, don't, no, don't, don't keep it. It's evil. You don't want it. And then like, what's the first thing he does? He's like, well, I'm going to take this home now. <laughs> There's not even a, a minute or a second where he thinks, you know what? Maybe I should listen to this guy. It's nope. pretty much like, fuck you, old man. I'm taking this home. <laughs> and in fact, he's not only going to take it, he he's not even going to go straight home. He's going to stop at the library to do a little research on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which actually really dates this movie, like, I mean, amazingly, because they, they keep asking Joey what time it is, and he keeps breaking out oh, this, this, is amazing. this wristwatch, too. He, like, he, he keep, he's one of those cool kids who keeps, keeps this watch in his pocket, so <laughs> he's too cool to put it on his wrist. So he, so he breaks out his wristwatch and tells him what time it is, and then he's like, I'm gonna go to the library to research <laughs> this. I, that, it, that's a particularly, specific thing to like 1991 yeah the idea of having a wristwatch that you don't put on your wrist that you pull out of your pocket in the most inconvenient way possible (laughs) (laughs) but before they go before they leave and joey goes to the library we get uh, a really important appearance by a character that's going to define the rest of the movie uh it's this big sweaty fat redneck (laughs) who comes by in his truck and yells at them to leave because apparently it's his property i am fairly certain that this actor um, comes into my work at least once a week because <laughs> everybody down here looks essentially like this guy. <laughs> but yeah, I love how like like so he's telling them to leave, and they're basically just ignoring him because they're punk kids in the early nineties. And he like just sicks his dog on him. He's like, go go get him. <laughs> his dog looks like the friendliest dog in the world. Like when oh it's sitting God. next to him in the car, it's just got his big smile. It's just this, this big goofy, pupper, goofy yeah. fucking dog. And he sends the dog after him <laughs> and it runs. But all I could think was like, that is the least fucking intimidating uh, animal to be going after you. Yeah. Also, it's yeah. probably not okay to sit, you know, sick your dog on a, on a couple of kids. Probably not. But they take off on their bikes, and during the them taking off on their bike scene, you don't see the dog at all. The dog's nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Never work with children or animals. <laughs> yeah. Especially not in the same scene. Now we get introduced to the coolest of the cool characters in this in this uh righteous uh, uh awesome movie mo. This dumbfounding character that like just confused us the entire film. So yeah, this is Joey's brother Josh, who is Josh! such a such a fucking eighties stereotype thrash metal big hair leather pants or leather jacket torn jeans type of character like and his hair his character like divide defies kind of gravity it's like oh man what is his name sammy um from sammy is is it is it i can't remember the fuck sammy kerr he looks like sammy kerr you know who i'm talking about i don't know you know who uh, i thought no please please go was it so- was it Shockem Dead? Yeah, I think oh. it's from Shockem. You know the the demon character guy from Shockem Dead. He looks just like him. He reminded me of remember on the sitcom, but like he- not nearly as cool. <laughs> well, speaking of not cool, remember the sitcom Head of the Class with Howard oh. Hessman in it? Well, one yeah, of the well, kids. I, in- I got called. I got called fucking Dennis Blunden for a good portion <laughs> of my life. So, so yeah, I remember that show. Well, uh, in that uh, <laughs> cast, and one of the characters was a tough guy. 
right? He's like a him. tough guy, wears a jacket like this. And this is who he remembered. Uh, remembered. He, this is who he reminded <laughs> me of, like a late '80s, early '90s tough guy. He also looked facially shockingly like Vincent D'Onofrio, and that distracted me a lot while watching the movie. That's true. He did look like D'Onofrio. It's funny. But Josh, Josh, what's Josh doing? <laughs> Josh. Um, he comes home and, uh, finds the note from the parents saying that they're not going to be around. And then there's this really great moment, um, where he bets the dog a bone that the, (laughs) that, that this phone call that's coming through is the parents. So he answers the phone and it's his friend, Mike, who's a dipshit. And, uh, and he's like, oh, you win. (laughs) And he gives the dog a bone. I'm like, that's fucking great. Yeah, he seems to really like his his dog. I think the dog's name is Rocky. So yeah. uh, this this is what the conversation between Josh and Mike sounds like. So you by yourself? Oh, you mean my parents gone? Yeah, smart ass. Yeah, they're gone. All right, so it's party time. Maybe. What do you mean maybe? Maybe. Look, I just got home. Okay, the first thing I found was a note on the fridge. It said, "Take care of the house and no parties." Wow, it's just like a Howard Hawks movie. Just the dialogue snapping back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about Mike. Mike as a character. Mike is the friend of Josh, or I guess he's a friend. You know how in groups of friends, sometimes you have someone that no one likes and is kind of generally considered a complete fucking asshole? Yeah, and that's Mike. That's Mike. And he also, I talked to you just briefly about this before we started recording, Mo. He's a very unpleasant person to look at. Like, honestly, like, yeah. I mean, well, he's unpleasant in every way. It's yeah. not even just like he's unpleasant to look at. Like he has a he has like a kissing scene later in the movie or like a like a makeout scene that is just really <laughs> really fucking hard to watch. Well, at least it leads into something that's a little easier to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, murder. You know what uh, he looks like, Mo? Like not his hair. Like? His hair is just ridiculous, but his face looks like a Ferengi. He does look like Ferengi. My god. <laughs> He's got a Ferengi face. Man, I, 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 I would have bet any amount of gold-pressed latinum that I never would have figured that one out. <laughs> and just like a, a Ferengi, he's very interested in females. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> then he, he proceeds to tell Josh the third rule of acquisition. Uh, regard, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we are letting our fucking nerd cards fly this episode. <laughs> so Josh, on this in this conversation, proves himself to be very responsible. He has a note from his parents who tell him not to have a party in the house, and his yeah. response to this isn't, "Yeah, let's have a party." It's no, you know what? Yeah, we're not gonna have me. a party exactly. Uh, and and uh, Mike, who again is an asshole, he he can't accept the idea that they're not gonna have a party in his house, as we heard in that sound clip. It's party time. But uh, they're going to work this out over a game of basketball, Mo. The classic American game of basketball. White Man Can't Jump. White man, just This came out right around the same time as White Men Can't Jump. And there is yep. an upcoming basketball scene which shows that white men can indeed jump. <laughs> That's true. But they're better at the fundamentals, I think. Right, right, right. So they're going to go get the guys together. Uh, and in fact, Mike says, be ready. And... Um, Josh then tells the dog did, that he's going to have a party. Did you notice? What did you think of the fact that Mike was eating a brownie the entire time they were having this conversation? He was like chowing down on it. Yeah, like he was like, I mean, like this gigantic fucking brownie. And every time he needed to say something, he'd take a bite. It's like just mumble mouth the entire fucking time. Look, I'll tell you what. You're making a movie. You're not getting paid, right? Yeah. Might as well eat that brownie during the scene because if you got to do well. it again, hey, free brownie. <laughs> right so someone's got, you gotta eat there's no craft services it's true it's true 
Joey arrives home. That's the younger brother of Josh. And he goes upstairs with his uh, figurine, his little demon statue. And uh, Joey goes up to his room. And what, you know, again, this is one of the things we love on No Budget Nightmares is when people have decorations of posters from beloved 80s horror movies. Mm -hmm. What did you notice here, Mo, in this scene? Oh, let's see if my memory can serve me. I didn't write any of it down, so this is going to be all all right from memory. So he has... You know, uh, obviously something I, lately in particular I'm going to notice. He's got a uh, Friday the 13th poster. Um, he has a Michael Myers mask, which I thought yes. was pretty cool. Uh, he has other various skull, you know, brains, that sort of thing. Very, uh, what else did he have? Uh, did he have a pet, did he have a pet cemetery? Poster? He yeah. might have. He did have know. a poster for the 1988 remake of The Blob. Yeah. He also had posters for Psycho 2 and oh, Psycho, Psycho 2. Is, yeah, Psycho 2 is the one I was thinking of, not Pet Sanitary. Yeah, and there was a Psycho uh, 3 poster. So, you know, he's <laughs> actually, I like Psycho 2 and Psycho 3, but I think it's just funny to have Psycho 2 and Psycho 3 and not Psycho. Anymore. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, you, you, I, I, I'm a child of that era, so I know how hard it was to get posters sometimes. Sure. So uh, Joey comes downstairs with his gargoyle and also a, a Ouija board under his arm for some reason. <laughs> Why did he have that Ouija board, Mo? Because he wanted to try to talk uh, to the demon. Oh, okay. Because he's, he's that much of a fucking idiot. <laughs> he wasn't wasting time. So yeah. he, Josh, I guess, thinks that his brother is a little weird. I don't feel like they established that enough, to be totally honest with you. I mean, just liking horror movies in the early 90s really shouldn't be enough to be considered weird. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, not comes... by not by the early '90s. No, I mean mid '80s. Yeah, probably you'd still be considered weird. Not by the early '90s. And even then, in the '80s, it would be kind of a satanic panic thing. Not you know, right. a guy who looks like Josh isn't going to give a shit if his little brother you know likes watching scary slaughter blah. <clears throat> Let me do that again. He wouldn't <laughs> care if he watches slasher movies. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. So they they have a little bit of brotherly interplay, and it sounds like this. Dude, mom and dad leave right away, you start fucking around. <laughs> that's not true. I was fucking off way before mom and dad left. That's funny. Hey, that's funny. I was fucking off <laughs> a long time before they left. I, it's, a, it's a very unnatural thing to say, but it actually is. They seem to have a nice relationship, to be totally honest. Like a surprisingly nice relationship. Like an unnaturally nice relationship. So Joey found out a little bit about the statue, that it was used for witchcraft a long time ago, and that there's supposed to be a soul of a demon inside, which is what that old scary man said. Uh, right. And and his brother looks very skeptically uh, at him, and uh, J- Joey goes, I didn't expect you to believe me. And Josh goes, good, because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then they use uh, the Ouija board very briefly, and uh, all he says is, soul of a demon, show yourself. The doorbell rings. Josh's uh, friends are there. He, uh, They tell him to get his ass in gear. Pronto, dude. And Josh leaves and uh, tells Joey to feed his dog. And Joey flips him off, Mo, because it's 1991. Yeah, and then and then Josh I, leaves. Gets, I, sorry, I hate I hate Josh's friends. I hate every single one of them. Let's go over them right now. Yeah, I don't there's, remember any of their three. names. I just remember Mike's name. So yeah, so we've got so we'll start with we've already talked about Mike. We don't need to talk about Mike again. Right. We'll we'll uh, we'll get plenty of Mike in just a bit. Yeah. And then we've got like uh Valley Dude fucking surfer guy whose name I don't fucking remember. I, I have it written down later on. It might be Steve. I think, I think it's but, Steve, yeah. Because yes. they all have super fucking generic 
white boy names. And then there's probably the only one of Josh's friends who isn't horrible completely. And I don't remember his name either. I just I think him, that's Tony. I just called him Misfits T-shirt. He wears it's, a Misfits T-shirt for the entirety yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And he <laughs> he seems like a nice enough guy. And, and then he dies, of course. But yeah. Um, spoiler. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, spoiler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, well, yeah, you so, so it's really like fifty percent of that crew are like, nah, they're okay. The other Steve, two, I don't particularly like. Steve would drive me nuts. I'd never be able to hang out with him. Steve has that surfer dude voice that again oh, was very worst. popular in nineteen ninety one. Should mention, by the way, this film was uh, made entirely in Las Vegas, Nevada. So this uh, this could be considered another Las Vegas bloodbath, Mo. Oh yeah, another, but another uh, but Las Vegas bloodbath. And considering Steve's uh, a vocal performance here, it could also be another redneck county fever. <laughs> a little later on, Joey is being very wholesome and making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and drinking some milk. I did think it was really funny that he was drinking milk while he was reading this book about demons. Yeah, right. <laughs> So he sits down and starts reading, like flipping through the book. And I will say, this movie has pacing issues. This part is interminable. There's like three minutes of him just like going through the pages of this book. Yeah. My my notes right in this part literally say, Joey reads the book in real time while drinking milk. Mo, did you notice anything interesting about the pages of the book? Um, I, Well, I, it feels like they're trying to be very Necronomicon-esque. I think not only are they trying to be that, some of the images come directly from, yeah. uh, you know, if you at the beginning of Evil Dead 2, when they show like the, the sketching of the pictures onto the Necronomicon, right, right. I think that they've just sketched those pictures exactly into this. I wouldn't be surprised at There's all. There's an image but... of like the back of a demon that I think is directly from Evil Dead 2. Right. So he's uh, he finds a picture. Um, right. He, yeah. He does end up finding a picture of the statue, and like there's, and like there's this little like laugh that happens, which I thought was kind of fun. And then we get a terrific edit, Mo. We show the glass of milk, and it's got sort of like a rim around the uh, the top of the glass, ah, as glasses have. Yes. And then it cuts to a basketball rim, right? Wow. Uh huh. And then we get this. All right, sixteen ten, our favor. Maybe we should start shooting with our left hand to make it fair. What do you think? Right on, dude. <laughs> right on, dude. So that gave you a really strong uh, impression of both Mike and his shitty voice and shitty, uh, really, attitude. And then, very briefly, Steve saying, all right, dude. Who says our favor? Uh, that is uh, one of the reasons I took that as an audio clip, because right. it's the most unnatural goddamn way to say, 1610, <laughs> our favor. <laughs> So that leads into a brief montage of um, of some basketball action, including uh, some dunking, Mo. Well, there's a dunk, I, right? There wasn't more than one dunk. One dunk, a monster jam, I would say. It was. It was a pretty hefty fucking reverse slam. And I think it was Steve who does it, right? Yeah, I yeah. believe so. So uh, the surfer guy, so Steve, yes, he... Uh, after they're done uh, the game. I guess Mike's team actually wins, which is kind of unusual, actually. <laughs> you think after him saying that at the beginning of the scene that he would then get uh, demolished, but that's not how it plays out. Nope. So Steve has some brewskis because he's going to bring them to the party later. And Josh is very upset about the fact that uh, that Mike has told them that they're going to have a party. Uh, and <laughs> they they 
get they kind of dunk on uh so to speak mike for in previous years being i guess a bad party guest i guess in last year he pissed in john john's sink mo holy shit they have a, a, a brief discussion where they say you're such a poser man and he goes if the condom fits I, I liked that line. <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought that was a pretty good line. You know, because, like, like honestly, like, the one thing we haven't really mentioned is that these guys are constantly calling each other dick. Yes. You know, or or, or, or when they're not, they're calling each other fag. But, I mean, it's mostly mm. dick. Uh, and so, yeah, so the, if, a, if the condom fits line, I thought it, was, I thought it worked. Yeah. Of course, like, it works way better than our favor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, so they're saying all these things. And then Steve and Josh, they look into each other's eyes and they push closer and they take in each other's scent. <laughs> then they head to the beach and it's hand jobs galore. <laughs> so Josh kind of backtracks on his no party policy and says that he has an idea. He's going to have a party. It's just not going to be at his parents' house. Mo. Where's right. it going to be? It's going to be at a haunted house. It's going to be at a haunted house, or more accurately, just some abandoned house. Right. It's like, it's not a scary looking house. It's just a house that, for whatever reason, no longer has people in it. And I guess sometimes it has squatters, as we'll see a little bit later. Uh, I like to think of it in the uh, in, in kind of the aftermath of the housing crisis in the United States, where there's just <laughs> a bunch of these houses just sitting empty. Well, you see, the fun thing about that hi- about the housing crisis was a lot of people lost their homes, but then they could just move back in and squat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in fact, uh, 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 that is uh, fun. I'm glad that you used that word. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of any other word to describe it. No, no, no. Having to squat in your own home. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't have electricity necessarily. No. <laughs> Who needs so, amenities? Exactly. Right? All you need is a hot plate and um, uh, battery powered, maybe solar powered, <laughs> USB powered. <laughs> so they're going to have a party in this abandoned place. And they're talking back and forth, and Josh starts telling the rest of his crew about all this spooky stuff that his brother told him about it. Mm. And actually, Steve gets a little bit spooked out. He's like, he's like, oh, I don't know, dude. And uh, and it sounds a little bit like this. What is this place supposed to be haunted or something? So the story goes, man. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> How long have you lived here? Oh, man, as long as you have, you know that. Yeah, and you you, you still haven't heard about this place, have you? <laughs> Read my lips. No. Dude, you can read my lips. I came here. No. <laughs> oh, more humor, right? In 1991, it was uh, very uh, cool to say "read my lips." It was. <laughs> I like how he. I like how he says that's how the story goes, and Mike's response instead of "fuck you" is "I didn't hear about that." <laughs> <laughs> like he like basically breaks character for that line. It's pretty funny. So they're, they, their idea is they're going to go to this abandoned place, they're going to bring their girlfriends, and they're going to have a seance, and basically they're going to scare their girlfriends into having sex with them. Pretty much. And the surfer guy, Steve, he's like, he has heard about, like, ghosts and things like that, and that's when they call him. Ghost! And that's when they call him a homophobic slur that I'm not going to repeat, even though Mo already has. Yeah, they call him fat. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what happens. And it's not cool. It's really I didn't say cool. it's cool. I'm just I'm reporting the facts here. Facts, nothing but the facts, ma'am. Back at the house, Mo, Josh and Toby are in Josh's bedroom. Yes. This will be our final uh, appearance of Toby in the movie. <laughs> 28, 28 minutes in. <laughs> so Josh is basically uh, elaborating on everything that's happening up to this point. He shows Toby the book that he found in the library. Now, this is very interesting. 
Mo. He says that he went to the library. I guess they have an occult book section, as most libraries do. Uh, and he was there. He walked away for a minute. And when he returned, he found this book. But it was not there before. And it doesn't even have a slot for a library card in it. Ba, ba, ba. It was like someone wanted him to find it, it said. I think somebody did. Toby's very skeptical of this story. So Joey shows him some of the pictures in the book, including one of the old man that they saw. Yeah, they find a picture. Of this, they show him a picture of the statue and the picture of the old dude. Turns my favorite part of this was right. My favorite part is after he shows him the picture of the old man, he asks Toby to lean in as if he's going to whisper something to him, and he just slaps him across the face. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he does it to show them that he's not dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we get uh, a little bit more about the old man, about the fact that there's a demon trapped in that statue. It's all in the book. I guess what happened is that it got into the statue initially because that old man was an exorcist. And during an exorcism, the soul of the demon was placed inside the statue. Mm -hmm. I feel like then burying it next to a pond where it could easily be found, uh, not the best idea in the world. Right. Uh, Not to mention the fact that, you know, there's that whole erosion thing and like... I mean, I don't know how long ago this was supposed to have happened. I forget what they said, but, mm-hmm. you know, you'd think that the water would have, you know, washed away. And anyway, it's like the ring in Lord of the Rings. Mo, it wants to be found. Exactly. So uh, th- this line comes out of Toby's mouth. Very familiar to fans of a lot of movies on this program, it's particularly the work of Todd Sheets, where someone voices something like. Oh, come on. That sounds like the plot of one of them B-rated horror movies you watch all the time. You watch all the time. Now, right before that line, there is this really audible thud that happens. <laughs> and, like, I just, I love the fact that they, they kept it in. What are you going to do? Take two? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we do learn that the demon's name, Mo, is Astaroth. Astaroth. So that's something important to keep in mind. Is it? No, I don't know. Not really. So as they're talking about this, Josh arrives home with Mike. Um, They show him the statue. He thinks it looks pretty cool, and he wants to take it with them to the party, Mo. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the party, Richter. (laughs) (laughs) So so the plan is they're going to tell the girls there's going to be a seance. They're going to tell them about the demon, and they're going to be so scared they won't want to leave their sides. The fact that they're going to a uh, abandoned house with no power is also a good reason for them not to want to leave their sides. Yeah, right. So uh, Josh uh, says he's going to the store. Tony is going to drop by, but he'll be right back. Um, And this is when Joey finds out that there's a potential for a party, but they don't tell him any of the details. And also, by the way, Toby, remember at the beginning he was worried about getting grounded if uh, he got found out? He got found out. He's grounded. Totally found out. He's been banned from the rest of the movie. Which is really funny because they talk about... They talk about how Joey can has handwriting like Toby's mom, which yes, is that's right. really weird. Uh, it's like I could write you a note, and like he doesn't even have a fucking chance. Like, he, like he's he's in the library this whole fucking time. Meanwhile, Toby's getting in trouble, and also, you know. Joey knew that he was home free because his parents are out of town, right? There was, like, yeah. no concern at all. He totally throws Toby to the wolves. And guess what? Fuck Toby. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who cares? Later on, Mo, we see the camera lowering. <laughs> Rock music playing as a car approaches. Uh, this is uh, inside the car. We have Mike. And he's there with three uh, uh, sexy ladies. Right. Don't ask me what their names are. What are their names, Mo? What, do you, what, what are the names of these women? 
right, I know one of them is named Tiffany. That's it, because they repeat her name a dozen fucking times, but I don't remember any of the other girls' names. I have their names in other contexts later, but yes, yeah. I believe one of them is Tiffany. Uh, they do mention that Scott and Heather, Scott is the uh, surfer guy, and his girlfriend is Heather. They're going to meet them later on, and they're going to be bringing pizza, because Scott apparently works at a pizza place. Right. Oh, yeah, right. It's Scott, not Steve. <laughs> oh, have we been calling him Steve? We've been calling him Steve this whole time, yeah. That's fine. It's fine. I'll go back and edit the word Scott. No, into you don't have place. to. You don't have to edit anything because it doesn't fucking matter. Because all of these guys have fucking generic white boy names, so it's like, who cares? So, tell me about these three women. Uh, aside from their names, what are they like, Mo? What are they like? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Was there character development on any of these women? Because oh, very I, much I, so. I was gonna say because I didn't notice any. <laughs> I don't know what what are, what are they like? Do you just I know, see? I know just each see women, one of them is dating. No, I don't see women. You see as, women as empty shells. You can just project your fantasies onto. Sure, I think sure. that's sick, Mo. Actually. Sure, I do. Yeah, yeah, all right. well, I'm, a, I'm a sick man. What can I say? Oh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, they don't have any character. One of them is um, Josh's girlfriend. Yeah, they're basically just each of the the men's girlfriends. Uh, and and the but there's one of them. Uh, in fact, I think it's actually Mike's girlfriend. Who uh, is a little bit more excited about the idea of going to a haunted house? She's not scared at all. She thinks it's right. pretty cool. And as her enthusiasm, you do. yeah, I mean, as, her enthusiasm, I thought was attractive. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So then we see a nice overhead shot. Actually, a really strange overhead shot. So the the camera is pointing directly down onto the top of the car as they get out of it. Uh, some of them are a little creeped out. There is uh, some fog machine action happening here. But Mike looks at the house and thinks it has some great possibilities. Now, they don't know if they can even get into the house at this point. They're very, uh, they're, they're just kind of jumping to conclusions. However, it all works out. It, it turns out, I don't even think it ends up being locked, the door yeah, of the it's house. Not, it's not even locked. They get in super easy. Now, you mentioned some lighting issues in this movie, Mo. Uh, yeah. Elaborate, please, because this might be the darkest and most difficult to see part of the movie that isn't a special effects scene. Yeah, honestly, like, my notes in this part say, I don't know who any of these characters are because I can't fucking see any of them. So I'm get, I'm thinking it's Mike and, and Josh at the very least and a couple of the girls. And I, I don't know I don't know who's saying what or who's doing what. Uh, I know a couple of them. I, I want to say it's Josh and his girlfriend go off to try to find the power box. That's right. Uh, but it doesn't work. Yay. So like basically, <laughs> it would have been great like, if that if that did work. You know that would have really right. Helped. Exactly. Just fucking fuck with it. You know, say oh shit. You know this. Oh look at that. It still works. So we can have some fucking light. Yeah. No nothing. It's oh it's so fucking dark. Ugh. <laughs> and this is like the this is almost the rest of the entire fucking movie too. It's yeah. just the worst look, part. It's bad, but it's not so bad that you can't see what's going on for the most part. It's it's in certain sequences it's particularly yeah. bad, but for right. the most part it doesn't become like crippling for the rest of the movie. Right, right, right. So they all get together inside. We have everyone except for Scott and Heather. So we have the three guys and the three girls, and they're just chilling out, right? As you mentioned, Josh and his girlfriend they go down to look at the fuse box, I guess, and he is unable to get it working potentially because there's like no electricity going to this house. Right, exactly. They decide it's time to start the seance. It's time for a seance, and Mike calls it to action with this declaration. All right, everybody, listen up. Oh, no. Here he goes. It's time to call on the undead. The demons of the night. He's your boyfriend. Thanks, and he's that way even without drugs. 
Oh, that's very funny. So that gives you a, more of a sense. Like Mike seems very much in this seance idea. It doesn't seem like a necessary aspect in order to end up having sex with their girlfriends. Well, but- you know, the the irony is the irony of this whole situation is that like there is a moment where the seance almost doesn't happen. Yes. You know, because people are starting to joke around and not and not take it seriously. And, and Mike is seriously says, well, that's fine. We don't need to do this. Yeah. You know, and then everybody's like, no, 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 let's do it. And that's what starts all the, the horribleness, which is fucking ironic, really. We're, we're almost have avoided the whole thing. We're almost 40 minutes into the movie, more yeah. than halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, if you're wondering, waiting for something to happen, so were Mo and I as we were watching it. <laughs> that's true. So they, they have to have a seance. Uh, thankfully, there is a round table in the room, Mo, and uh, Mike uh, expertly points out that you require a round table to do a seance. Yep. <laughs> he also tells the story about the demon in the statue, which we've already heard at this point twice before. Unnecessary, I would say. Yeah, but we do get a moment where one of the girls, uh, you know, they, they, so they sit down, they join hands, they're doing their thing. And one of the girls starts telling the story about how her grandfather, yes. when he was younger, gets a call from his grandfather and tells him, like, to be a good person, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, but it was two days after he died. What? what? She, I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. Um, so, oh, by at one point, uh, Josh makes a hilarious joke. They're going to call up the demon, right, using the seance. He picks yeah. up a phone and he goes, we could call him on this if it worked. And everyone laughs. I, I thought it was funny. It's the funniest fucking thing that's ever been said. It's, I mean, it's it's a terrible joke, but it's probably the funniest thing that, that's said in this fucking movie. And also they say to Mike, hey, are you a psychic or a psycho? Wait, wait, wait. Actually, no, I'm sorry. What's about to happen is the funniest thing that happens in this entire I know. Movie. You love this. I love that you loved it so much that you took a screenshot and posted it in two separate locations. Yeah, well, I posted it. I posted it as a comment on something that you had said, and, uh-huh. then I made, and then I made it my fucking cover photo on Facebook because I loved it so much. So Mike is really into this, and he's starting to get the seance going. And uh, he goes like, haven't you ever seen a seance in a horror movie? And they're like, is that how you learn to do this from watching a movie? And he goes, and he goes that no. and this. And what does he do, Mo? What does he do? <laughs> he w- <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He whips out a pamphlet that says how to conduct a seance. He oh. has this shit-eating grin on his face as he oh, shows him this pamphlet. Stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> so I love it. he gets them all to concentrate on the name Astroff, even though I don't believe Josh was ever told that name. <laughs> no, they weren't. Uh, no, uh, they uh, like they, some of them f- uh, feel stupid doing it. As you mentioned, they start joking around. Uh, they mention, hey, is this call long distance? Which is kind of just a variation on that same joke we had before, but they all think it's funny again. Yeah. Um, they, they go, Astroff, if you are here, make your presence known. Can you hear us? Speak to us. It then cuts suddenly, Mo, to a static-filled television, and we see that Joey is asleep on his bed, and he is tossing and turning, covered in sweat, Mo. Yes, he is. Then it cuts back to the seance. They say they want to know if Astroff's soul is living in the world of the undead. Uh, then it cuts back to Joey's room. It has smoke filling it. And then they call Astroff's soul from the statue and bring him into the world of the living. Gotta say, that seems like a bad idea in any context. Uh, Pretty much. Take, taking a demon and telling him specifically to come into the world of the living. <laughs> <laughs> they go, show your demonic power tonight on All Hallows' Eve. Fucking ridiculous. 
doesn't seem to do anything, Mo, from no. the pers- from the perspective of uh, um, of those doing the seance, which leads to this. I guess it's not going to work. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I guess you're right. Let's party. Sounds like good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seance over. Party time, Mo. That reminds me of uh, of the what, what was it? The end of Caddyshack, <laughs> or, where like he's like, "Fuck this, let's dance!" And he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all gonna get laid. <laughs> As soon as they say let's party and they move away from the seance, it cuts back to Joey who sits up Mo, and he's no longer Joey at all. He is a he's new character. No. A character that I refer to as Demon Face because demon it's just face. Joey with a demon face. That's all it is. This is the point where the movie gets started. It's not a bad uh it's not a bad mask. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He just looks like he has like old man makeup demon stuff on his face, but it's fine. It's a yeah. it's unnerving, I like to say. Yeah. He gets up, Joey does, in his uh, demon face. He leaves his room and the door slams behind him. Dun, dun, dun. Shit's about to get started. Oh, shit's getting real. Back at the party, someone takes out the boombox from earlier, puts a tape in it, and rock music plays as they drink beer and eat nacho chips. Yeah, who wouldn't? Mo, then something very unusual happens. Yeah, the phone rings. The phone rings and as they established in that hilarious joke earlier the phone is dead so it can't ring however it does and it sounds like this man there was no dial tone pick it up hello well who was it? Nobody. Nobody. So the voice says, uh, you've unleashed his soul and now you're all going to die. Josh says that it was nobody on the phone, basically. And then Mike says, look, pass me over the phone. I want to call uh, Scott and see where the fucking pizza is. He tosses over the phone, Mo. And when Mike tries to call, there's no dial tone. It's nothing. Then one of the women say, you know, maybe it's one of those phones that you can call uh, into, but you can't make outgoing calls. And they're like, yeah, that's probably it. That's idiotic. <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't what, think that actually exists. Like, even in the, I mean, like, even back in the 90s, was that a thing? I know there were, like, pay phones that you could call out but couldn't call in, but that's, anyway. Yeah, that's, pay phones, like the ones used in hip-hop locos. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike and his girl run off to fuck. Yes. Mike and his girlfriend, <laughs> uh, they, they're going to look around, wink, and at the same yeah. time, Scott and Heather, uh, they're, they, we cut to them briefly, he's got the pizzas, uh, he's excited because they used to burn witches at the stake here. And they mention <laughs> that someone is riding uh, riding his ass. They're driving <clears throat> very close to him. Yeah. Uh, and he, and she seems a little nervous, his girlfriend Heather. But uh, then it cuts to Mike, as you mentioned. And he's going with his girlfriend uh, looking for a place to relax. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they get some beers before they leave. Uh, in fact, <laughs> doesn't she say <laughs> that... Uh, they could go get lost, and then when we're done, we could go get lost again. And she goes, okay, but only if you promise to take advantage of me. <laughs> Jesus. Dialogue written by a man. Of course. While this is happening, uh, in the background, there's a giant swastika on the wall. Is there? I didn't even there fucking is. notice. Jesus. I mean, it's badly drawn, but I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, graffiti before, Mo. But often the swastikas are drawn very poorly. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, no. There's a meme floating around right now that says something like the my favorite thing about 2017 is uh like a is modern Nazis having no idea how to draw a swastika. It's pretty, <laughs> it, it, they're all fucking hilarious. Anyway, back to the uh, movie. Back to the movie and away from 2017, the awful yeah. year in which we live in. <clears throat> Josh asks where Mike is going, and they say they're going to work up an appetite. So he throws wah, them a flashlight. Wah. He throws them a flashlight, and Mike says, uh-oh, I'll be back. And actually, he does say it in a Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> That's another thing about the year 1991, Mo. Everybody had Terminator fever with the uh, imminent release of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Did you see Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 1991, Mo? Uh, no. I, you know, it's funny. I actually have the very unpopular opinion that I don't like Terminator 2. Like, I mean, I what? like it. I like it, but I don't like it as much as I like the first one. No, no, I that's fine. That's yeah. okay. But I will say, Mo, you might recall in 1991, everybody had Terminator fever. They did, yeah. I remember being very excited. I didn't, I'd never, at that point when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I was not even aware of the first Terminator movie because it was an R-rated like action movie. I just, it wasn't on my radar. And, but everyone was so into Terminator 2 and I was so excited for it and I couldn't go see it because it was rated R that I had the novelization, Mo, and I read the novelization of Terminator 2. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Uh, That's, that's, Jesus. (laughs) What? Well, if anybody doubted your nerd cred before, you know, they're not yeah. now. I have cred. So uh, Tony says uh, that uh, Mike's girlfriend is after what's in his pants. And after his <laughs> girlfriend goes, hey, he goes, I mean his wallet, which is actually offensive on a different uh, level. Yes. <laughs> but so this, is back in, this is back in the 90s when nothing was offensive. <laughs> until uh, until uh, uh, those social justice warriors uh, turned uh, this uh, nation into a uh, uh, PC, politically correct wasteland, right? Where a man can't even yeah. have an opinion anymore. <laughs> Filled with cucks and snowflakes. It's cucks and snowflakes all <laughs> over the place. Josh hears a noise. He's like, what's that? I better check it out. So he goes up to uh, uh, some Venetian blinds and he looks out and he's looking and he's looking and then he pulls the blinds quickly just to scare everybody in the room. And that's a nice little scare. And then there's a big scary face that appears in the window. That's like a secondary scare mo, but that's actually just Scott and he's fooling around. He has a little monster mask. Yeah, I, I actually thought that that was a fun moment. I you know. I would suggest it's the only legitimate scare in the entire movie. Yeah, unless you count. Uh, one's revulsion caused by gore because that will happen. And I know that's hard to believe considering we're almost 50 minutes into a 75 minute movie. Or, or if you count the scene of uh, Mike licking his girlfriend up from her belly button, that's, mm. that's pretty, that's a pretty scary scene. Always get that belly button lint. I'll Blah. tell you that'll get you rock hard. Won't it Mo? No, no. All right. No, Not whatever me. you say. So they bring in the pizza. Scott's having a great time. They uh, uh, they they mention they, he asked them if they conjured up spirits like Leatherface, uh, Pinhead, and Chucky. Yes. Uh, and he asks where Mike and Stacy are, and they, they say that they went for a walk. And then uh, I think it's is it Josh? Josh? Yeah. Yeah. He asks him about what he's wearing, and he does. He has some very unusual clothing on, wouldn't you say, Mo? <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. It's interesting. How would you describe it first? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to steal his joke. Cause All right, let's not steal his joke. He yeah. says this. So tell me, dude, 
Where'd you get those stupid ass clothes? Oh, glad you asked, dude. It's a mixture of Magnum PI, Dracula, and your fucking mom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so just to descri- just to describe to people what he's wearing, he's got a Hawaiian shirt on, <laughs> a cape, and that nasty mask. Yeah. So Magnum PI. Dracula. And your fucking mom, dude. <laughs> and your fucking mom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, preamble finished. The movie, as it is, is about to start only an mo- hour into this recording of No Budget Nightmares. The movie proper. <laughs> the movie proper is about to begin. Mike and Stacy are in a room, Mo, and they are getting it on. Ugh, this seems so gross. Mike and his deliciously curvy mullet. <laughs> His... You know what? You know what he's got. Like you know that like that helmet hair that some Italians, like Italian gangsters, have. You know what I'm talking about? Like where you it's mean like, like the uh, the cast of The Godfather? Is that what you're getting? <laughs> Italian gangsters, mobsters. I think they're called. They're whatever mobsters. <laughs> um, you know, like they like they have that like that like Italian fro that they shape into like. You know, they slick it back and it's it just looks like a helmet. Yeah. So Mike's hair looks like that, but it keeps going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like it's like an a it's like a mobster helmet hair mullet. It's really wild looking. Yeah, it's really wild looking. That's how I would describe if it. If anybody wants to know what, what Mike's hair looks like, go to No Budget Nightmares Facebook group. I just posted a picture of him yeah. a minute ago. With him and his little booklet? Or no, With this his, is a new yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, his pamphlet, yeah. So they start making out. He, he kisses her stomach, as you mentioned before, Mo. Yeah. It is revolting. Uh, yeah. They start making out. Then she says that she smells something. And his romantic response is, yeah, it smells like shit. So what? It's an old house. It's the way they smell. <laughs> <laughs> Romance. Oh, he's a she, real Ethereo. She's, uh, she also says that she's cold. And he goes, uh, I can do something about that. And this is when we get a bright red point of view shot, Mo. It's Demon Vision. Demon Vision. What does it remind me of? It reminds me of that Terror at Baxter U movie, which had a lot of colored POV shots. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Yep, I remember So that. we get the POV shot, and he is uh, he somehow is riding Cowgirl on his girlfriend. <laughs> no, he's just, he's just between her legs, like sitting up, and uh, she's laying down, and she notices that his nose has started to bleed, Mo. Right. And his response... Again, classic uh, Mike. He goes, must be the rough sex. Yeah, because that's what was happening. Uh, so he starts to get a headache. And then uh-huh. the and then the greatest thing in the movie happens. His fucking head just explodes. And it happens so quickly because he goes, it hurts. It hurts. And then his head explodes. It's unfortunately right. a little dark. Yeah, it's a little dark. It's a little quick. But worth it. Because Mike is now gone, we don't have to fucking listen to him talk anymore. Uh huh. I like believe me. I I was overjoyed not only because we suddenly got some shockingly violent moments, but also what happened to the character I least liked. Yeah. And then it didn't even culminate in that. Immediately afterwards, something pulls at the arms and legs of uh, of his girlfriend, uh, starts stretching her on the bed, pulls her and pulls her until she is hanging in the air and gets ripped in half. It's pretty cool. It's like that scene in The Hitcher, except you can see it. <laughs> right. And we see the demon face watching it, and then it slowly 
fades out. It's unbelievable how this movie goes from like zero to sixty in this scene because right. it's it's like astoundingly violent. Like when well, she gets ripped apart, like her entrails are hanging out and shit. Yeah, it's fucking wild. And my, my speaking of unbelievable is the fact that they're in a fairly small house. Yes, she's screaming as uh-huh. she's being ripped across. No one hears her. Uh, I think you're uh, forgetting about a little something called demon power. Oh yeah, right. I'm sorry. I forgot about the, <laughs> forgot about the demon's power. Forgot about it. So, so the rest of the group are still eating pizza downstairs. Tony's girlfriend she drops a little bit of uh, uh, pizza on her pants, and uh, then they start joking about the fact that it looks like she had her period. And he goes, right. "I hope it's not her time of the month." And then Scott goes, "Don't forget your rubber, dude." <laughs> What is going on in this movie? <laughs> well, he said he says something to her like he says something to him like uh, like don't lose your rubbers here use mine and he yeah, passes right. over his mask. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> they also um, Scott goes on and on about how much he hates Mike, which is uh, I bet if he knew that Mike's head just exploded, he wouldn't be so uh, so explicit about that. But Mike is an asshole. It kind of put me on Scott's side for a bit. Yeah, even though I hate Scott too. So Tony, him and his girlfriend. They go off into the dark to find a place to relax. Wink. It's very much like the previous scene. Uh, As they're looking around, they do find a saw uh, with an image on the side of it of Hunter's Pond, Mo. The the pond from the beginning of the movie. It's beautiful. Beautiful. They also find a mattress. Mm. And I believe the girl says, you know, I've never made love in a haunted house before. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's laying down, and they're about to uh, uh, have sex. And um, she asks him to go get her another beer. And he goes, you have to be drunk to make love to me? And she goes, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's here's something I found fascinating. So he comes down to get uh, another beer. Does he have a different haircut? Yes. His hairstyle is entirely <laughs> different when he leaves the room. Like, when he's, he's like, hanging over her, like, leaning over her, his yeah. hair is long. It's all hanging in his face and shit. And then yeah. when he goes back, it's, like, super slick back and looks it looks a few inches shorter at least. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, demon face, we see him enter the room. But then it cuts back to the party. Scott has to go outside to take a piss, Mo. I just realized that I, uh... That in my notes, I called him Pizza Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we'd called him that for the first 20 minutes of this episode. Right? <laughs> uh, and I said here, Tony comes out to get a beer. His hair is completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Pizza Pizza Bro's got to go take a piss. He's super drunk. Yeah, he's super drunk. And now, I I was fairly certain they were on the main level of the mm-hmm. thing. And so he... Leaves out a door, and now he's magically at the top of a very high staircase. He does reference it. He goes, nice. Well, he goes, nice view, man, but I know I didn't come in this way. So something really funny to me happens now. And what that is is Scott has to go down this long flight of stairs. And instead of just cutting to him, you know, finishing going down the stairs, they leave it on him. And he just kind of slowly goes down the stairs and talks the whole time. And this is what it sounds like. Oh, nice view, man. But I know I didn't come in this way. Oh, bummer, man.
Scott eventually reaches the end of the stairs, heads into the woods, Mo, and he's very, very drunk. He falls down a couple of times. My favorite part is he sees a tree and he goes, this tree looks dry. And then he <laughs> sniffs it for some reason. Sure. And he goes, smells like some righteous doo-doo, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he's there taking a piss, Mo. And then what happens? All right. So he gets killed with maybe my favorite. It's not the most explicit. It's not mm-hmm. even the best kill, but it might be my favorite where he gets killed with like a swinging neck breaker sort of thing where they just twist his head around. I, I thought it was pretty cool. They twist his head the full 180. So yeah. it's it's facing backwards and he falls down dead. Rest in peace, Scott the Pizza Dude. <laughs> Whoa. Easy, man. Whoa. While this was happening, Tony and his girlfriend, named Rhonda, as I discovered oh, in the scene. Oh, yeah, Rhonda. Yes. They are enjoying some poist... Uh, poist? They poist? are enjoying some post-coital bliss, Mo. Mm. Somehow she is fully dressed again. <laughs> uh, and she says that she considered it a treat rather than a trick. And he goes, I'm hungry. So uh, then Tony goes down to get... Some more pizza and beer, which is strange because he was there when they said that all the pizza was gone earlier. Yeah. Uh, so uh, maybe he just wants to get away for a bit. I mean, who doesn't relate to that feeling? Right. Exactly. I, I know generally after sex, I want to run away. So makes sense. I want to fly away. <laughs> yeah. Got to, got to get away. Really? Scott's girlfriend is worried about him because he's been gone taking a piss for a very long time. So she goes out to find him. And Josh, uh, he's very reassuring. He goes, if you're worried about anything, we'll be right here. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes outside, starts calling uh, Scott's name. Uh, She tells him that she wants to go home. Uh, I mean, I like, (laughs) I have a note here. Everyone in this movie looks so 1991. They really do. They really do. Lots of fog. She heads into the woods. She tells him that she'll never go to another party with him as long as she lives. At some point, she finds his body, though it doesn't show his body. We just see her reaction. Yeah, we see her scream, and then she runs off. And she actually gets a pretty cool kill, too. This is a great one that probably would get a little forgotten in the grand scheme. She starts running and screaming, and uh, we see the demon face for a moment. He makes a giant stick, a giant stick, a stick, kind of float into the air. She runs into the stick eyeball first. Yeah. And it goes right through her eye and through the back of her head. Which was pretty cool. It's it's intense. I mean, it starts out sort of like a tribute to that uh, famous scene from Lucio Fulci's zombie, zombie with the yeah. eyeball. But then it just goes right on through, right through the back of her head. Yeah. That's Meanwhile, good stuff. <laughs> Rhonda is relaxing. Uh, and she seems uh, oddly uh, inattentive to the fact that sheets are slowly tying around her legs. <laughs> Like, I often have that issue. Yeah, right? Maybe she just, you know, maybe uh, she was gone numb in her lower extremities. You know what I'm saying, Mo? Oh, I, oh yeah. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. From the dick. From, yeah. from Tony's yeah, dick? I, no, I, I get the joke. I was making a I know joke. you did. I knew. We were joke double, that I, that I, I double-blinded I, you on the joke. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> the sheets tie around her legs, and they spread them open, though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This death scene, I I had a hard time with. It it does feel slightly exploitative compared to Uh. a lot of the other stuff. Because it pulls her to the end of the bed, spreads her legs open so you uh, you can see her panties, Mo. Right. Which is an unpleasant word for me to say. (laughs) Then we see the saw. Remember the saw, Mo? I do remember the saw. The saw floats in the air kind of a few inches away from her crotch. And we see it start to saw towards her, starting at the end of the bed, 
And we don't actually see anything here. A lot of this is just blood splurting all over the place. But right. the implication is that she gets uh, sawed in half. We do get a close-up of her face as she spits up blood. It's very unpleasant compared to kind of the more cartoonish uh, violence in the rest of the movie. Right, exactly. I mean, you've got somebody who gets a piece of wood shoved through their head, and she gets split down the middle, crotch first. It's yeah. Like, Ugh. You yeah. Know? I Poor know. woman. Like a wishbone, don't you think? <laughs> If only. Tony then returns. He thinks that she's just fooling around. He notices that she's dead and probably in two pieces. He uh, starts to freak out and he's about to run off, but he slips on some blood and knocks himself unconscious, Mo. I, you know, I was almost certain that this was going to culminate in, like, Tony coming to save the day. Yeah. Because, like, that's how a lot of that setup happens. Like, oh, you know, like, he looks like he's dead, but he's going to come back, you know? No, not at all. He does come he w- back, but he wakes to up save like a the day later. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, again, all of this stuff happens. Uh, none of the sounds uh, alert the people downstairs who are still just kind of hanging out partying. Uh, Josh is looking for a specific tape to play in his uh, boombox, Mo, mm. but he's afraid that he's uh, left it in the car. So he tells his girlfriend, who's named Tiffany, to stay as he goes out to the car to get it, Mo. I, I actually have a note in in. At this point in the movie that I say, I hope Josh gets to survive. He was an okay guy. Yeah, Josh is all right. You know what? Josh, I one thing that we were talking about before we started recording yeah. is that the movie seems to implicate the that he is like an asshole. That he's supposed to be like a real jerk. But generally, he's one of the more level-headed characters in the movie. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He seems to genuinely care about his little brother. And like he res- he's respectful enough of his family to not throw, to not throw the party in that house. It's, yeah. Yeah. Look, it's just nice to see a family that cares about each other. <laughs> exactly. We're, this what's about to happen now is my favorite part of the entire movie. This is a great kill. This is this is what I wish the entire movie was, and right. th- instead of just the final twenty minutes, uh, excluding that one saw-based kill just a moment ago. Like, could so, you imagine? Could you imagine not to cut you off here before we get into the cool fucking sure? Uh, no, it's okay. Kill that's about to happen. Could you imagine how fucking cool this movie would have been if, if Joe, if Joey? Got possessed by the demon the second he opened that little mini coffin thing. And, like, the whole rest of the movie was him just killing people. It should have... Yeah, exactly. Or it should have been, like, as soon as his brother left to play basketball, he got possessed then, right? Because that makes sense. He's at home, maybe he's playing with the Ouija board. He gets possessed, and then that's when it kicks into high gear. You have a couple of kills at the beginning, and then the rest, whoever is still alive at that point. They don't know about the others being dead. They go have the party and the rest of it can play as is just a little bit earlier. Yeah. That's the world I want to live in where the movie plays out like that. Right. Exactly. Cause you could add the brother storyline going on with him going to do the party and all that other shit and them not realizing what's happening with Joey, you know, and then have the Joey storyline happening where he's walking around killing people. You know, and then then they could have done the seance, which attracted him to their party. And then the whole end of the movie could have happened. I would have, they could even have amazing. killed Toby as one of those people. Right. They because, absolutely should have killed Toby. Yeah. There's no reason that Toby <laughs> should have been in this movie unless yeah. he was going to die at some point. Exactly. So Josh goes out to his car to get his tape. When he leaves, the door locks behind him. He's out. Tiffany hears someone call her voice. She goes looking around the house. She thinks it's Josh. She thinks he's playing a trick. She says that she's had enough and she wants to go home. She's in a room. She hears Josh's voice behind her and she turns around, Mo, 
And that's when the greatest thing in the history of cinema happens. <laughs> we get a brief point of view shot, all in red, yeah. of her seeing something. Yep. We see a butcher knife raise up into the air it's at sort of a, uh, let's see, a, a, not quite a, maybe like a 20 degree angle. I mean, just just in kind of a, a slanted uh, uh, angle. It slashes forward and cuts her head in half and we get a great close-up of it as her head slides apart with arms like up and blood squirting up of the bottom (laughs) half of her head (laughs) then it shows the top of the head on the ground and the eyes are looking back and forth on it that's the best part of that kill is the fact that the eyes are still moving i turn this into an animated gif go over to our facebook page and take a look it is yes it is Move over Paul Thomas Anderson. Move over <laughs> move, move over Stanley Kubrick. This is the peak of the cinematic medium, I think. Absolutely. Josh then returns. <laughs> uh, however, he can't get back into the house because the door is locked. He knocks on the window, which stirs Tony, uh, who wakes up from uh, slipping on the blood. He wanders through the hall. Uh, he helps Josh in and tells him that Rhonda is dead. Josh does not take him seriously. I mean, nope, it is Halloween, a, so you can't really blame yeah. him. thinks it's a total prank. He thinks it's a prank. Uh, Tony tries to tell him it's not a joke. Uh, then Josh goes into the room. Eventually, he sees Rhonda's corpse, gets very freaked out. And uh, they, they're like, we got we to gotta do something about this. And their panic sounds a little something like, uh, like uh, this. What's going on, Rhonda? Joey was right. What? My brother, he was right. About what? The soul of the demon, man. He said we'd start something we couldn't finish. Great. You mean there's a fucking demon running around here killing everybody? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is we gotta get out of here, man. We need help. Yeah, let's just go to 7-Eleven right now look up an exercise. How does that sound, huh? I don't know. Maybe, man. I don't know, okay? We need help, man. We gotta get out of here. They need to get out of there, Mo. But unfortunately, every time they go to a door, it's locked. It doesn't want them to leave. Yeah, there's actually a pretty cool moment, too, where they throw the uh, flashlight at, at a window. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool moment. And it, and, it just, and it just bounces off. Yeah, it's not a cool moment. You know what I mean. But, I mean, like, like I just, I just thought it was cool that, that, like, oh, they even thought to include the fact that the windows ain't going to break, so don't even try. Yeah, right. I'm glad they at least addressed it. Absolutely. Yeah. I will say that there's a really weird moment here where Tony's like, this is all Mike's fault for the seance and shit. And Josh, and Josh defends Mike at that moment. It's like, you know, he didn't he didn't know this was going to happen, which is absolutely true. But also, just like, just let it go. Just it's all right to be angry at someone when everybody that you know is dead at this point. Yeah, fucking Josh. So they throw the flashlight at the window, bounces off. Tony goes, "Any more ideas?" And Josh looks at a cross on the wall, and he goes, "Pray." Then what happens, Mo? This is very bizarre. <laughs> so uh, at, at this point, Misfits is basically pinned up against the wall. Um, Josh tries to help him, but he's batted away. Uh, yeah, he's hit by like an unseen force. Yeah. And then he gets knocked unconscious. Right. And, uh, and our Misfits friend, his shirt raises up and it starts slashing at his midsection uh, where he becomes disemboweled. Which is yes. actually a pretty cool, pretty cool effect, and then ultimately completely cut in half. He gets which cut is, in half, where his top half still hangs in the air. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, although I do want to note that this is the fourth time I think, third or fourth time that somebody's been cut in half in this movie. So you know, it's getting old at this point. 
I gotta say, but, when it comes when it comes to people getting cut in half, I don't have a limit. <laughs> but at least you know. But you're right though. At least he's he's still hanging on the wall. It's still a pretty cool effect. Um, so you got that going for you. You also anyway. get a lot more organ shots in this one because he's yeah there. yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty <laughs> so demon face is shown to be there, and he comes into the room, and you can hear him say in sort of a. Um, a filtered voice, not my brother. And we see the real demon appear in front of him in animated form. Right. And it, we also get a nice close up of the cross as it goes upside down on the wall. And then it leads to something that I love it when we, this happens in micro budget movies. We get a highlight reel of all the deaths in the movie. <laughs> this would normally work a lot better uh, because they would happen throughout, say, the 90 minutes that preceded. This was right. all in, like, the previous 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really have the same impact. No, <laughs> not at all. So Demon Face Joey stares at the real demon. with the shoots power, electricity at him. <laughs> with the power of love for his own brother, he shoots electricity out of his arm, zaps the demon, which proceeds to explode. Yeah. And that turns Joey into a normal human again, Mo. Yeah. He's like Pinocchio. He's a real boy. He's a real boy. Um, I mean this it's not a bad effect. No, it's, not at all. It's, it's not that it's not bad. It looks it looks pretty cool actually. Even like the the animated demon looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it works it works pretty well. I mean it's ridiculous, but mostly because yeah. of si- the situation, not because of how it looks. Right. Joey goes over to Josh who has now regained consciousness. Josh asks him if everything is over, and Joey says it's over. And in fact, they look over, and that old man is there, Mo. The old man's back! And Josh is happy about this. He goes, thank God. We need help. We need help. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what does the old man proceed to do, Mo? <laughs> Holy twist, Batman. Uh, the, the old man... Finish him! Finish him. Yeah, he pulls a st- straight up fucking scorpion move here. And just, I forget, it was a scorpion who does it. Sub Zero. Anyway, Sub Zero. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, and he sticks his hand directly into the dude's back. It's very Videodrome esque uh-huh. and just pulls his spine right out. It's fucking wild. So the old exorcist man pulls Josh's spine out of his back, which, uh, which happens to kill him at the same yeah. time. He just throws it to the side. Um, and then, he lets out a string of um, information regarding how his soul is somehow connected with the demons, um, that uh, the the collector of souls will forever exist, cannot be destroyed. Uh, basically, the idea is that the exorcist guy was the keeper of the demon in some way, and now he's passing that responsibility on to Joey. Da, da, da. And we see the statue appear. We see the book appear, Mo. He opens right. the book to the page which has a picture of himself, the uh, the demon exorcist guy. And, and it switches over to Joey. It switches from old man face into young Joey's face. And Joey's response, Mo? The camera slowly pulls away from the house And the movie ends Soul of the Demon from the year 1991, Mo Yeah Anything interesting about these closing credits, Mo? No Do you know that for a fact? 
No, because I didn't watch them. You know, and you know that for a fact. <laughs> well, let me tell you about some interesting things about these closing credits. Please, One, please do. The character of Tony was named was uh, played by an actor named Sophocles Frankakis. Sure, it was. I don't know if that's his real name, but it's very interesting. Uh, I will say that uh, one of the credits in the closing credits were for effects shemps. Obviously, a uh, reference to the sh- uh, fake shemps used on the Evil Dead films. Mm. Filmed on location, as I mentioned before, Mo, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hot dog. And then the one actually interesting thing about the closing credits, the final thing on it are the characters and incidents portrayed and the names used herein are fictitious and any similarity to any persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Coincidental is spelled wrong, by the way. Of course. And unintentional. So there, exclamation point. That's what it's. Oh man, that's that's a shame because I was going to sue them because this exact same thing happened to me not too long ago. <laughs> I remember that year you had your demon face on. Yeah, you know, my buddy, I knew a surfer dude. <laughs> my buddy Scott and Tony, they all died. Mo, you didn't much enjoy 1991 Soul of the Demon directed by. I Charles honestly, Mike. I honestly didn't. I mean, like it, like. It, I'll, I'll give it credit that it didn't take me six hours to watch it, but uh, like it's still it like there was nothing particularly interesting until the last twenty minutes. The, I mean, those honestly, those first fifty minutes are very hard to watch because they're just they're not not because it's bad as such. It's just that it's so fucking dull. It is. It's awfully dull. It's it's strange that they sort of set up a lot of characters. Right, uh, but don't they don't elaborate on them at all? It feels like it, they either need to have a lot more kills earlier on, do the setup like we mentioned earlier, where uh, Joey gets possessed very early on, or they make it more of a character piece, which you know, in the vein of like a Goonies or a Stranger Things, where you get these two kids right, and they're the heroes of the story. That's mm-hmm. what it seems like it's setting up, but then they take a back seat to the whole rest of the plot. Yeah. So it's it actually the pacing of it and the way that it's structured, it seems like it doesn't really know what it wants to be. It just wants to slightly resemble a movie like Night of the Demons or any number of other late '80s horror movies. Pretty much. That said, when it gets going, it is just a string of impressive gore effects, and you got to give him credit for some really interesting violence in this movie. Yeah, I I would say I would say if you want to watch this, just fast forward until the killings start. Or do something, you know, distract yourself for the first 40 minutes and then just get engaged. Fast just fast forward. <laughs> or just watch it along with this podcast where we're <laughs> explaining things as it goes along. Yeah, why not? Why not, Mo? Why not? That's a great question. <laughs> oh, I can answer that one. Mo, on the no-budget nightmare scale of one to ten demons. <laughs> oh, this thing that never existed until about a second ago when you just uh, said it? New, it's a next generation rules. Uh, oh, one to ten Christ. demons. Where does Soul of the Demon rank, Mo? Uh, I'll give it uh, out of ten. I'll give it a four for the last twenty minutes. Now I should mention, Mo. One is the highest score, and ten, of course, is the lowest because you don't want a lot of demons. Wait, what? Ten yeah. is the lowest? Then I'll mm-hmm. give it a six. No. <laughs> No, sorry, you already said four. <laughs> <laughs> you dick. So four out of ten on the old demon scale. Uh, Six out of ten demons, yes. For Soul of the Demon from 1991. It is a very flawed movie, but I will say... By the way, Mo, this is on our uh, Bloody Nightmares box set. Um, Why does that not surprise me? Well, well I mean, I, I would say of the movies that we've watched in that box set, this would actually be uh, very much on the uh, upper realm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, it's no nightmare museum. Let's just say that. Thank goodness. <laughs> the essence of evil is 1991's Soul of the Demon. Why, why do you think Charles Lang never went down to make more movies? It seems like if he had another kick at the can, he could have come up with something pretty good. Honestly, he could have, I mean, like, I don't know if he was the one responsible for the effects or not, but whoever did the effects on this could have gone on to do more work. You know, like the writing was pretty, was pretty shit in this. Um, the actor, the acting was, was pretty shit. Uh, the direction is pretty shit. The editing is pretty shit. Um, although they do have those crane shots. Here's a fun uh, bit of, uh, here's a fun bit of information, Mo. I don't know. The, the uh, person who was responsible for the animated demon at the end of this movie is named Tom Elliman, and he ended up working uh, for Mad TV as an animation director for 279 episodes. See? Not bad. So there were Not talented bad. people involved. I mean, I, well, any listeners, if you are more aware of the career of Charles Lang than both Mo and myself, and that would be just about everybody. Um, please, uh, why don't you drop us a line or head over to the Facebook group and tell us a bit more. I'd like to find out what Charles Lang is up to and what his thoughts would be on Soul of the Demon. I feel like there's potential here. That's what, that's what gets me, Mo. There's potential in this movie that is not fully realized, but it feels like it's setting up, you know, the second movie that could really be good from start to finish. This feels like a compromised movie, but if the vision was uncompromised, it could be something special. Well, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll make Soul of the Demon 2. There, please do. I mean, it, honestly, the movie sets it up. All you got to do is find this Sky Daniel kid who's now, you know, much, much older and bring him back. And now, you know, th- th- this is a great idea. He's trying to trick someone into becoming the new uh, demon carrier. That's, that's actually a really fucking great idea. <laughs> Copyright 2017, Douglas Alexander <laughs> <laughs> Mo? Mo? I can't remember. Do we tell people what the next episode is going to feature first, or no. where people can find out more? No, about no, the show? we we talk we talk about uh, we we generally talk about uh, what we did, uh, where they can find us. Uh, uh, what we find that's usually last. The where we can find us. Okay, so, so Mo, and- what are we going to watch on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares One O Two? Well, we talked about it briefly before the uh, before the show. Uh, uh-huh. Before we started recording, we decided on a film called Samurai Vampire Bikers from Hell. Um, it was chosen specifically because of the title. So we're probably going to get burnt pretty hard on this one, uh, which is fine. We're, I'm excited about it. From 1992. So, directed at the very by- least, at the very least, I can say I saw a film called Samurai Vampire Bikers from Hell. From the uh, writer, director, actor Scott Shaw who has 83 directing credits on IMDb. Mm. It's from 1992. Uh, also, one of his movies, by the way, from 1998, Lingerie Kickboxer. Oh, let's watch that instead. <laughs> Actually, some of these titles are fucking amazing. Uh, but <laughs> but we are not going to be watching that. We're going to be watching Samurai Vampire Bikers from Hell from 1992, featuring on the uh, next episode of uh, No Budget Nightmares, The Next Generation, a 102 <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> yeah Mo here's the plot summary of Samurai Vampire Bikers oh, please please tell me this is so anybody listening this is my first hearing of this so I'm, I'm actually kind of excited the tagline is it's all the hell you can handle <laughs> oh of course the plot Alexander Hell Scott Shaw is Jesus. a cross dimensional mercenary he, <laughs> he rides his Harley out of the dark abyss to send ancient vampires back to hell. 
So, th- so this has a bit of a, like a transfers feel to it. Yeah, let's go with that. Keep that in your brain, Mo, until you see it. And see no, it. I'm absolutely not going to do that. Uh, nothing's On the next nothing. episode, Samurai Vampire Bikers from Hell. <laughs> Mo, where can people find more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast? Oh, they can go on to uh, the old Facebook if they want. It's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. Come join in the conversation. It's always a good time. Uh, let's see, where else can they find us? Uh, you can find our archive over at uh, nobudgetpodcast.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Current episodes current episodes over at, where are we at? Dorkshelf? Dorkshelf.com. You can find our mm-hmm. latest episode. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at nobudgetpodcastmo. Uh, but yeah, you can subscribe through our website at nobudgetpodcast.com as mm-hmm. well. Or you can find us on iTunes. You can also find our Facebook group. Just do a search for No Budget Nightmares on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mo, you can also find yourself on Twitter. I am, in fact, on Twitter. Uh, I don't go on there very often, but I am there. I am at DrunkOnVHS. And I'm there at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And Mo, you recently made an appearance on uh, our friend of the show, John Cross's After Movie Diner podcast. Oh, my God. What a shit show. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, So, John sets up this thing where he's like, we're going to watch these ninja movies. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, so the day of recording comes. And I had completely forgotten that we were doing this, by the way, because <laughs> nobody's giving me in. Like, I keep forgetting. And I'm like, I don't have these movies. Like, how do I get them? <laughs> and John's like, well, you can rent them on YouTube. I'm like, I don't have any fucking money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I'm fucking broke. You know? So, like, I am trying to find all of these slightly more nefarious ways of finding movies online. It's nowhere. Like, n- these movies are nowhere. Not to mention the fact that at, th- at this point, I have exactly enough time to watch one of the movies before we have to start recording. <laughs> So John was kind enough to PayPal me a couple of bucks so I could rent. Holy shit! Yeah, really? no, yeah, no <laughs> shit, no shit. He PayPal'd me a couple of dollars so I could rent uh, Ninja Two uh, on uh, on YouTube and and watched it on there in one point five speed so that I'd have enough time to fucking watch it before we sp- we're supposed to start recording. Oh my god. It was fun. I mean, you know, like it's it's always a blast talking to to, to John and Doc, but I mean Jesus. What what uh, just... what are your brief reviews of those movies? Are they good? Well I never saw the first one so I don't know. But uh <laughs> but uh Ninja Two is fantastic. It's actually a super, super a lot of fun. Um, that's a Scott yeah. Atkins movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, I mean, his martial arts are just incredible. He's like, honestly, like if he doesn't become the next big thing in action films, you know, and I know I, it's something he's been trying to do for I know, a while. I feel like he, I feel like he's already missed the boat on it and it's really a shame. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, I don't either. He's super fucking talented, you know, and like he's had a couple of sort of breakout successes, like with like the Boyka uh, the undisputed film that, um, sure. that, you know, and, and at the very least the second of these ninja movies, but like, he's still completely relegated to, you know, uh, straight to DVD sort of stuff. And it's or just small it's appearances just, in bigger movies. Or, yeah. Or small appearances, which is a real shame. Cause he's a good actor. He can carry an entire movie without any real issue. And his, and his action is, I mean, impressive. Like the dude's really good. It's a shame. 
It is a shame. Mo, you can also find me over at the Eric Roberts is a Fucking Man podcast. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at ERITFM or over at ericrobertsistheman.com. I recently went to the Cinepocalypse Film Festival in Chicago, Illinois. Mo? Yeah, you did. Where I uh, did a live recording of the podcast with my co-host Liam O'Donnell where we talked to, in front of a crowd of people, Eric Roberts, the actor. Uh, we talked to him for a little over an hour. We asked him every question that we had. And then we went to dinner, or lunch, I should say, with him. Uh, and then who who showed up? Larry Cohen, the director of Cue the Winged Serpent and the stuff, and God Told Me To, yeah. and any number of other classic movies. And it uh, just happened to be the most surreal thing that ever happened to me. So you can go over to Eric Roberts is the Man to listen to that episode. By the time this episode comes out, our next episode will be out, which is basically just Liam and I talking about all the things surrounding the interview is just mm. kind of like a, a, a victory lap, I would say. Just us going on about how it came together, what our full experience with Eric Roberts outside of the interview, and uh, everything that went on with that lunch as well. It, it, it's, it really is very self-serving, but we felt like <laughs> it was a good idea to get it recorded before it was gone to history. But yeah, very I, that was I'm fucked very, up. I'm very disappointed that he didn't murder you live on stage. I was hoping he might. I mean, I was hoping yeah. for... He, I uh, I ran into uh, Scott Wanberg, the critic, uh, the after we finished recording, and he was like, you know, that could have gone so badly, right? That could have gone, that could have fucked up in your face a million different ways. What if yeah. he didn't care? What if he was angry at you? What if he wasn't engaged? What if he didn't have any stories? Un- I mean, it, I didn't even think of a lot of those things, and if I had, I would have been more anxious than I was, and I was terrified. <laughs> but uh, as it was. Uh, he was great. Like Eric Roberts was so funny and had a million stories and was very engaged. And he had this giant frappuccino and he was drinking the whole time and he was uh, pretty wired. So, I mean, it uh, it all worked out, but it totally could have fucked up. And I thought it was going to, but just not in those particular ways. I thought I was yeah. going to basically collapse and have a coronary on stage in front of all these people <laughs> that, I, that I've always wanted to talk to and never had the opportunity to. Mo, next right. up, we had to do a live No Budget Nightmares podcast. I want to. I absolutely want to. That would be a fucking blast. If we were going to do a live No Budget Nightmares episode, Mo, who would be the perfect guest well, Todd Sheets, obviously, but... Probably would have to be Todd uh, Sheets. It would probably have to be Todd. I mean, like, first off, we love Todd, you know, so I'd want to meet him in real life to begin with, um, you know, and we, I mean, there's a million more movies of our of his that we could cover if we were even going to straight up cover a movie, or we could just do an hour and a half interview with him, you know. Um, I, the only other person would probably be Dave Waskovich, but that's because I just want to hang out with him now. I really do too. Like he seems like such just a fun person to hang out with. We should mention which actually, which yeah. actually uh, kind of annoyed me. You know, like have like having the relationship <laughs> that we have with Dave Waskovich was when watch and watching the the Red Letter Media uh, video on Suburban Sasquatch right. actually kind of annoyed me. Like watching them make fun of him because I'm like, he's such a nice guy. And it's of <laughs> course, know? I mean, we're such hypocrites, right? Because yeah, yeah. we not only have we ever talked about Suburban Sasquatch. Oh, we have, we've yeah, we've. Done. We've said terrible things, but I mean, listen to know. our malevolent descent fucking yeah. episode, right? But right. but it was. I mean, I, I did want to bring that up. Yeah, Red Letter Media recently did a video uh, focusing entirely on suburban Sasquatch, and it's I, a great video. It's it great. Is. Uh, and and I'm glad that they sort of have brought that movie to the wider world to some extent because it deserves that attention. I hope it means a lot of sales for. Uh, Dave through his website, he deserves it. Uh, yeah. But but I also there's a part of me that I like him so much that I don't want to see other people 
I feel like he's ours to mock, but also ours to love. <laughs> yeah, we were doing it first. <laughs> we were we were there first. Red Letter Media, get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> but no, please continue and also do science craze the parent, uh, eventually. That 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 is something that needs to happen. That is something that needs to happen. Hey, uh, have you watched anything interesting this week? Hey, you asked me before I asked you. <laughs> Mo, I watched the Thor Ragnarok movie. How how good was it? I haven't seen it yet. It's good. I think I I'm so it was... far. Be- I'm so far behind. I just watched Spider Man Homecoming. What'd you think of that? I thought it was fucking uh, fucking fantastic. That's really all we do. It. We don't watch. We only watch like big budget superhero movies when we're not recording <laughs> no budget nightmares apparently that's so f- fucking close to true <laughs> i'm just trying to think oh i know what i watched uh, i was uh preparing for the uh, theme warriors podcast where mm. the theme was um family reunions gone wrong and the movie i chose for us to watch was adam's family reunion the wow. third of the you know the Barry Sonnenfeld Adam family yeah, oh movie, yeah. right so they made a third one where where Tim Curry plays Gomez Adams and Daryl Hannah plays Morticia and it's fucking horrible wow it's so goddamn bad i mean it's really really terrible uh, it's like it's oh yeah especially cuz i really love those those uh the the Raul the Julia fir- ones the first two are really good well i'll tell you that's lightning in a bottle and this one is yeah. not that at all <laughs> that's shit in a pail <laughs> shit in a pail Mo have you ever seen anything else except for uh, the video game Friday the 13th <laughs> and Spider-Man Homecoming yeah I played a lot of Cuphead um, <laughs> that game is fucking fantastic anyway no I, I watched a couple of a pair of documentaries the other day um, I didn't intend on watching them both in the same day but I got caught up in in the act of watching them and I'm glad I did because they were great I watched that uh, Jim and Andy the Great Beyond all right about Jim Carrey making Man on the Moon. Now, I hate Man on the Moon. I think I don't like it at all right. mm-hmm. as a movie. And I understand if people like it, that's totally fine. I don't care. I like it. The documentary, fucking fantastic. That's that's actually uh, really good to hear. I Yeah. I, it sounded like the kind of, when, when the stories were coming out about him in that making that movie, it sounded yeah. like the making of it was more interesting. You know, I've yeah. never seen the end of that movie. I was watching it in the theater when it came out. I had a panic attack during the last 20 minutes. I don't know why. And I left the, the cinema, so I've never seen all the stuff after <laughs> <coughs> he gets cancer and dies. Wow. Um, that's that's really weird. It's a very uh, unique story I just told you there. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> what was the other documentary, Mo? And then I, and then I followed that up immediately with uh, Too Funny to Fail, the uh, the Rise and Fall, or whatever it's called, of the Dana Carvey show. Oh, is that good? Um that's fantastic. It's so good. I thought it was better than, than Jim and Andy. Um, like it's like that show, like you, like I didn't even realize the level of talent that was involved in that show because I only ever watched one episode. Like my memory of the Dana Carvey show consists of Bill Clinton breastfeeding puppies because that's the first thing that happens in the first episode. The only thing I I remember, there's just two things I remember from that show. One is the one opening of the only episode that I ever watched while it was airing, which uh, had Dana Carvey talking about Mountain Dew, and they were just alluding to the fact that it looked like piss over and over. And right. I guess the theme was like he says it's like Mountain Dew. It looks just like liquid sunshine. And I mean, they're just <laughs> made, and the the sketch where S- Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert are the uh, waiters that get sick uh, right, right. From, uh, from food. I will say that it must be different. Like, how much mention of Louis C.K. is in that? A lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yeah. that might be a little tough now to 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 encounter in 2017. Yeah, I'd imagine. But I mean, like, 
But but even at that though, I mean, like, look, allegations and and shit that well, not allegations, the shit he did aside. <laughs> I was worried not about, allegations. Well, I was worried no, about he, where that was going yeah, for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the shit he did aside, he's still a very funny person. Absolutely, you know. So, which of course trumps everything else. No, no, not not saying that. I'm just saying that the level of talent that was involved in that show, you know, Steve, Stephen Colbert, Stephen Carell, Louis C.K., uh, Dino Stanitopoulos, um, wasn't Robert Smigel guy's involved? Name? Robert Smigel, uh, John Glasser, all super, super funny fucking guys, you know, and like the fact that it was so like now now this it was so batshit crazy. Like, I don't know. It's just, um, it's kind of amazing that it was only on for what, like eight episodes? Yeah, eight episodes. And, and I think only seven of them aired. <laughs> so, you know, and then you look at what all those guys did after. I mean, almost immediately after, thanks to that waiter sketch, uh, you know, Colbert and Carell got jobs at Daily Show, which mm-hmm. is basically what launched their careers. John Glazer uh, went right on to Conan with Robert Smigel in some capacity. Right. Exactly, you know, uh, and Dino Stanatopoulos was doing his thing, and then he was on doing Mr. the community, and there was Mr. Show too, because he and was... he was, that's right, he was doing Mr. Show. I, I keep forgetting about that, but yeah, it's like I mean, like he wrote the uh, the audition sketch, which I think is the greatest sketch in the history <laughs> of Mr. Show. Yeah, it's just I mean, like that's it's like it was such a comedy powerhouse and it's just wild that the whole thing just fell apart almost exclusively because they were expecting uh dana carvey to come on and do like you know church lady yeah church, exactly yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> oddly enough like, the the people who have the person who has been the least funny of all those people since then is dana carvey, is dana carvey yeah even his stand-up is not that funny but you know obviously yeah. he recognizes talent mm. mo it's the end so of I watched, no Budget I watched, so i watched those they were great end the show Uh, In just a couple weeks We will return With what movie, Mo? Samurai Vampire Bikers from Hell From the year 1992 Directed by Scott Shaw Episode 102 Of No Budget Nightmares We'll be back In just a little bit Good night, everybody Good night, folks